Thank you, worship team, and good morning. Happy Mother's Day. My name is Dell. I'm part of the teaching team here. We're continuing this morning in our series in Acts. Now, um, one thing to keep in mind, we're about to jump in. We're reading the entire book together over the course of this series, which is fun. But as we, as we jump into our reading for today, keep in mind that the, that the point of the book of Acts is not only to chronicle the expansion of the church, the spread of the gospel from one central place all around the world. It's also to highlight the power of the Holy Spirit that is uh, available to every person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. It becomes a, becomes a source of empowerment, a source of presence, a source of connection um, that transforms lives, transforms our lives. So as you read this morning, uh, keep that in mind as a lens we're going to begin reading chapter 4, verse 32, okay? So all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. Now, uh, we get a little glimpse into a community so full of the Holy Spirit that not only are, is the witness to the goodness and the good news of God flowing out of them, we've been reading about that, this story comes kind of bookended between incredible examples of that in good times and in bad. But we see here a community that is so full of the Holy Spirit that not only their public ministry, but their ministry within the community is pretty incredible. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a, a community that is so other-centered and so generous that you could actually say, we don't have any needs left. I mean, they are literally... They are literally all met. Okay, that's pretty radical. Um, that had to be pretty powerful to be living in the middle of that kind of experience. That was, hap- that was what was happening in this place right then as we read uh, this story. And it also kind of gives us a vision, right, for what a full-orbed Holy Spirit community could look like in terms of just the generosity and the love that is possible within it. Um, And so this text describes that, but also points out one of the people in particular, Barnabas. We're going to read about him, you know, as the story of Acts continues. Um, He was so full of the Holy Spirit and love that they renamed him. They said, hey, your name's now Encouragement. Right? So this is a pretty interesting guy. Um, And honored sort of in this way in this text. Now, Let's pick up the story in chapter 5. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. 
he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, took him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Was this the price that you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out, buried her beside her husband, Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else uh, who heard what had happened. Okay, so um, I get the pleasure of preaching on Mother's Day about two men who died at church, or two people who died at church. Okay, so happy Mother's Day. Um, I'm going to need a little help. You've got to work with me here a little bit Okay, on this. Uh, because the story is here for a reason. It's important. Okay, and we're going to dig in, try to discover why. Now, put yourself kind of into the story, into the position of Ananias and Sapphira for a second. They were living in an incredibly, a radically generous community. They were inspired, no doubt, by the remarkable things that were happening. And we're only given two stories here, but you follow that for every need to be met in the community, there were probably hundreds, if not thousands, of amazing stories of generosity and of sacrifice that were taking place, right? And so they're in the middle. They're watching this. They're inspired. Um, they, are, they are moved to the point that they are willing to sell a piece of their own property. They were willing to cash in a part of their own 401k to be a part of this blessing. And I'm sure, we don't know the backstory, but it's never easy to give something that's yours. Right? It's never easy. And something that's a, that is a large part of your own wealth. And so there were things moving inside of Ananias and Sapphira um, that were beautiful and are, that were good. They, they were motivated to be a part of this beautiful, beautiful story. Okay. They actually gave a part. But we're also told in this account that their generosity, the way that they presented it, 
also had a hidden motive. There was a hidden story. They were keeping back not only part of the money, but also they were keeping back part of the story. So that what they were presenting publicly did not match the reality of that situation. They were, they were dishonest. Now here's the question that I want you to work with me for a minute on. We're going to work on this together. What motivated Ananias and Sapphira to lie? Okay, so just think about it for a second. You're in their shoes. They have some good impulses, and they also have some other impulses. Okay? Anybody? What do you think was going on here with Ananias and Sapphira? So someone said greed. They maybe wanted to look good. They may have been, they may have been afraid. Uh, you know, uh, fear of missing out. Fear of, fear of uh, you know, um, what if it's not handled right? Okay? Reality set in. Maybe they had, maybe they had a little bit of remorse. They made, a, they made a pledge. And then it was a little more costly. We don't know the backstory. Uh, but what, we, what, we, what I want you to see here is that Ananias and Sapphira had a mixture. Would you agree with me? There was a mixture of things going on inside of these folks. Things that were inspiring and were based out of vision and out of, out of their desire for good, and also some things that were based out of other longings or needs. Does that sound like anybody in your life? And that sounds pretty human. Now, it's interesting. There's been a lot of disillusionment and disappointment in our lifetimes related to public displays of virtue that don't always live up to the full billing. Would you agree? You, ever, you watch the news? Um, this has touched the highest levels of our society. It's touched government. It's touched education. It's touched, unfortunately, charities, nonprofits, churches, right? Where people inspired by vision and for good go a long ways down the path of sort of displaying that goodness, being a part of that movement, and then we find out the rest of the story, right? Uh, there is hidden agendas, hidden motives. And this has actually been studied. So this is a book on some research on that. During our research, Dark Side of Leadership, I became clear that a paradox of sorts existed in the lives of most leaders who had experienced significant failures. The personal insecurities, feelings of inferiority, and need for parental approval, among other dysfunctions, had compelled these people to become successful, that, that compelled these people to become successful were very often the same issues that precipitated their failures. Not, this is what I want you to note here. Most often, their ambition had been a dangerous combination of their own dysfunction, dysfunctional needs and a certain measure of altruistic desire. Do you follow what this man's saying? He's saying, actually, 
when you, look at a per, when you look at a leader who's crashed or a person who has stepped out for the good, it's actually a little bit, it's a little bit one-dimensional to say, well, that, I thought that was a good person. He was actually a bad person. Actually, there was a dangerous combination of good overlaid on the top of other things. Okay? And he said this was, a, this was essential to actually their, their failure. Now here's what I want you to, to, uh, to think about this morning. Our good side is often mixed with the dark side. And I believe this is what was happening with Ananias and Sapphira. And I believe that there are numbers of lessons that we can learn from this story about dealing with that dangerous combination and mixture that lives in every human being. That would include you, I guess, this morning. Okay, so here, here's the first thing that we might say about this. We all long for validation. We all long for validation. This is not a newsflash. Belonging and security are core human needs. If you think about our own human formation, our development, we are birthed from love, for love. We're made in the image of God, the scripture tells us, who is love. It's not surprising that intaking and living from the experience of love is a very core need for every human being. So underneath a lot of our behavior is this core question. Am I worthy of love? Am I loved? How will I be loved? Belonging, approval, security are core needs for all of us. We all long for validation. Here's the second lesson. Deception is a strategy to meet core needs. Now, I put in the parentheses, we might say it's a bad strategy. We might say it's a short-term strategy. We might say that it's an ineffective, ultimately in the long run, strategy. But it's interesting that Peter says to Ananias and Sapphira, listen, you actually didn't lie to us. You lied to God. We might also say that before we can ever lie to God or to someone else, who did, who did Ananias and Sapphira first deceive? Isn't it true that they believe that this strategy, perhaps motivated out of their desire to look good in front of other people, to get validation from the community there, was an effective strategy, that it was a strategy that could actually meet the core longings of their heart. Well, the problem with deception as a strategy is that it becomes a cycle. In other words, the more that we base the validation or the approval for that core need for love on what other people think or in our performance, and the more we get that public affirmation of that, what, the risk actually goes up. Because what if someone finds out 
that we're not all that we presented ourselves to be. And so in the story, it's interesting that the lies sort of begin to cascade, don't they? They start sort of in a strategy that Ananias, one of them, or Sapphira, one of them cooks up. I think it was Ananias. He goes to Sapphira because she gives him the consent. So they, they decide to lie together. Then they go. They lie publicly. Then they get caught on the carpet. Ananias lies. Then Sapphira comes back, and they lie, she lies. See, it begins to spiral. Now, here's the question. What if they would have gotten away with it? Now the affirmation of the community would be based on what? Why? So what has to happen tomorrow? And the next week, right? See? So the, the problem with deception as a strategy is that ultimately it is ineffective, it's a bad strategy that tends to cycle into more and more deception. Now, that deception works on multiple levels. It works inside of ourselves, with ourselves, with others, with God. Okay? Fourth thing. I think we can say safely from this story that we can kill ourselves trying to get approval. Now, this story is shocking and disturbing and terrifying. The text says it. To everyone. In part because Ananias and Sapphira's death was immediate. But did you know that there is a death that can come to the human soul that is more gradual, that operates just as lethally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, physically. Yeah. We can kill ourselves. That's why we had that phrase. Trying to get validation, approval. Are you? Fifthly, we learn that lying to the Holy Spirit belies the Spirit. It betrays the spirit of our life. The reason for that is that the more disconnected that we get from reality, from the truth of our own needs, our own stories, and the way that that relates to our outward behavior, the more disconnected that we get through that in deception, the farther we travel from the true healing and life that could be ours that we were designed for in God and with others. Okay? Now, listen to this quote. Most sin is pretending to be someone else. Admirable or powerful or sexy who will have value in other people's eyes maybe one's own. As with the prodigal son, it is a form of self-exile, taking refuge in an imaginary self. Why do we do this? It is because we fear that without some impressive mask, we will not be loved. It's a very, very powerful thought here. The reason that this doesn't work, this imaginary self, Think about this with me for a minute. Validation from circumstances 
How does that work in terms of basing your sense of your worth on what happens outside of you? Well, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's bad again. Sometimes it's good for a long time and then it's really bad. The problem with getting validation or worth or security or foundation from our circumstances is what? We don't control it, right? We don't control it. So we're the victim. You've heard, you've heard of being the victim of circumstance? Well, that's, that's, the, that's the story of every person who ultimately bases their validation on their circumstances. What about from people? Well, people, you got to love them. Pretty fickle. Pretty fickle pickles. Right? I mean, one day they love you, and the next day they... Don't love you. What have you done for me lately, Chris? <laughs> what, have you done for, what have you done for me lately? Um, just check out the people who have the 80 million Instagram followers. All right? They've got fame by the millions until tomorrow. All right? Can all go away with one click. Can all go away with one click. What about, what about validation from the self? Well, the Bible tells us to love our neighbor as ourself, so there is, there is something important about learning to, to love the self. But, but, the, but the problem is that our self is a pretty limited sample, like, to be exact, a sample of one. Right? And so we constantly wonder with the self isolated from the rest, is that validation trustworthy? So the question becomes then, how do we deal with this dangerous combination, this mix, this dark side, this shadow self, this part of us that at the deepest core is always longing for something that we can't ever seem to nail down from our environment, from others, I believe that this text, kind of what we're learning, suggests that the only way to deal with our dark side is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you four ways that I believe that that's true from the scriptures. The Holy Spirit provides, number one, awareness of the truth. The scripture tells us in John that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now keep in mind the storyline. The reason that deception is such an ineffective strategy is that it is based in what is untrue. It's based on what is untrue. If you receive love on the basis of something that is not true, if the love is conditional on an untruth, then what are you always wondering at the deepest core of yourself? If they really knew who I was, would I be loved, right? Well, to those kind of people, awareness is an incredible gift. It is the foundation. Jesus talked about building your life on a rock versus the sand. Well, the incredible, the incredible news is if the truth of who you are could actually meet 
genuine love. See, that would be, that would be freedom, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be amazing? To be known truly as you are, without excuse, and to be loved fully. Wow. Incredible experience. And this is exactly what the Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit provides for us not only awareness of the truth, the ability to be honest, but healing experiences of unconditional love. Listen, listen to Romans 5.5. 5. For we know how dearly God has loved us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And it talks about the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Do you remember Paul? He gets pretty poetic about this. He says, what can separate us from the love of God? And then he talks about the heights and the depths and the width and everything in between. And he comes to this conclusion that nothing in heaven or in earth can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Well, those experiences, learning with God through the Holy Spirit, that you can both be honest in the truth and yet fully loved, those experiences are the greatest experiences, healing experiences in life. Thirdly this, the Holy Spirit provides reset and reconnection, not only to God, but to others and ultimately to ourselves. All of us stray right, from the way. We all give ourselves over to deceptions. And this incredible idea that we can confess our sins, pray for each other, and be healed, we can actually have these new experiences of love in a community that has learned to love from God. So precious. Fourth, the Holy Spirit provides resources to fill our longings with goodness, beauty, and truth. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. See, those deep longings of our hearts are not meant to be dismissed. They're meant to be filled. And life in the Holy Spirit is a life, as the rest of Galatians tells us, that produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So here's the question. Wouldn't it be a beautiful morning, a beautiful day, to take a step back for a minute from our judgment, not only of others, but maybe even more profoundly of ourselves. To step back from that, to recognize that all of us are a dangerous combination of both that we all have tremendous longings for love that basically can be fulfilled in one of two paths. We can go out or we can go up. What would it feel like today to invite the love of God into the gap, the real places of your life? So we say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do within me today? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for my friends. We thank you for 
the opportunity to come together around the scripture, which is so powerful. Um, thank you for this incredible combination of truth and love available to us in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the way it's perfectly designed to meet our most important needs. Pray for anyone caught sort of this morning in a life where they feel disconnected. They feel that the outside of their performance just doesn't match the inside, the reality of their lives. Lord, I pray that you would give them a glimpse of how your love encompasses who and where they are right now. I mean, because after all, we, we remember that hiding from you is sort of a psych trip on our own because you see everything anyways. You made us, you know us. You've come yourself to rescue us and renew us by the Holy Spirit. And so we open the deep recesses of our hearts to you this morning. I said you'd set us on a new path, that this would be a reset moment for us. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.